We're going to be talking about spiritual gifts today as we continue our four-week teaching series called Ghost Stories. Now, if you're new to spiritual gifts, you're like, what in the world is that? I'm going to teach this to you in a way that it could be the first time you've ever heard this. Some of you have been Christians a long time. You know all about spiritual gifts. But I bet you need this refresher course this morning to go, how could I actually be used by God in the short time I have on this planet? So pray during our time that God will use this together. You excited to study God's word, our word together church this morning? I, I love scripture and I'm just going to uh, jump right into the Bible. The first time spiritual gifts are mentioned in the New Testament is in Romans chapter 1 in verse 11. And Paul, we're going to hear a lot from this guy named Paul. Paul was somebody who was overseeing the killing of Christians, was a religious terrorist in his own day, nobody farther from God than, than Paul. If you think your life is pretty messed up, you should have known him. He has one authentic encounter with Jesus, and it so dramatically changes his life. He goes on to write much in the New Testament, and most of what we're going to study today comes from his letters to existing churches within the Roman Empire. Romans 1 verse 11 says, Paul writes, I long to see you. Here's why. Here's why he wants to see the Christians in Rome, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. Why would he need to make them strong? Because I know we think today that our society is a very dark and bad and there's a lot of horrible things happening and there certainly are. There certainly are. Maybe worse than ever. But there were plenty of dark and horrible things occurring in the first century in the Near East. And the, the Roman Christians in particular understood that it was difficult sometimes to live as a Christian. And so he was trying to communicate how they could be strong in their faith in a culture that truly did not really even accept them. And the way they did that, to live differently in that culture, was to live out their spiritual gifts. So he wanted to come to them so he could give them a spiritual gift so that they could actually live and be light in the darkness just like we could today. See, we talked the first week, spiritual gifts and the Holy Spirit gifting us in that way aren't meant to be weird or strange. And if you came in, man, and you grew up in a, a, a Christian background that didn't talk about this kind of stuff, I'm right there with you. Or if you're brand new to Christianity and you meet Christians sometimes who totally weird you out <laughs> when they, we talk about stuff like this, uh, welcome to the club. But it doesn't make it untrue. It's actually biblical Christianity throughout the New Testament that the Holy Spirit uniquely gifting the early Christians was what actually made them strong to live out their faith. We should actually desire spiritual gifts in our lives. Look what he writes to the church in Corinth in chapter 14. He says in verse 1, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. And then he has this weird thing, especially prophecy. Did that just get weird for anybody? I know for some of you, that didn't get weird at all. I've talked about that all the time. I love talking about it. It gets weird for me. When I first became a Christian, I didn't understand words like that. I always thought of like, you can tell me that I was just dumb, but I thought of like people with like a crystal ball, like reading your hands or something. And like that was like fortune telling. And that's, what, that's not what prophecy is. Prophecy in the Old and New Testament was someone who would hear from God and then impart what they heard from God to people to actually bring conviction, encouragement, to change the culture, to see the Spirit of God would speak to people and their society and way. And that actually was one of the gifts that 
the New Testament multiple times says is one of the better ones. Not all the gifts actually in the New Testament are the same. We're going to talk next week. It's going to be really fun. We're going to address speaking in tongues. Who's excited for that one? (laughs) Who's not excited for that one? It's going to be an interesting thing. Pray that it brings unification in our church and not division like we see too often in Christianity today. But I find that that gift is sometimes overemphasized because the New Testament says very clearly it's not one of the really valuable ones. And we're going to talk about each of that. There are different things. The prophecy is actually one that says a lot to value highly. But gifts are things that we should desire from the Lord. In fact, Acts chapter 19, verse 11, Paul goes into the city of Ephesus and he has shared Christ with them and they basically want to run him out of town. They're worshiping this goddess Artemis. (laughs) You should see pictures of the goddess Artemis. I mean, it's pretty messed up what was happening there. And he is unafraid and unashamed to tell people about Jesus and he is able to actually make an impact because he's being uniquely gifted by the Holy Spirit to do so. It said in verse 11 that God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. These aren't just like kind of normal things. He did extraordinary miracles through Paul. You read some of the New Testament where Paul, literally, he was so anointed with the Holy Spirit, there's this one passage where people are giving him handkerchiefs because they want to take anything that he's touched and go take it to sick people to heal them and make them well. I know that's weird, but that's actually in the Bible. I'm not going to be handing out any handkerchiefs after this because I am definitely not the Apostle Paul. But I want to tell you that the anointing of the Spirit and spiritual gifts uniquely given are very real and even miraculous things that occurred. In fact, when he originally got to Ephesus there, he found a bunch of believers who knew Jesus Christ, most likely had salvation, right? Like they were probably going to heaven when they die. Only God determines that. They believed in the truth of Jesus' crucifixion as a resurrection from the grave, making them right with the perfect God, atoning and covering up for all of their mistakes and wrongdoing, that you and I could draw near to a perfect God. They had heard that story. They had received it, but they hadn't heard about the Holy Spirit yet. Or they had heard about the Holy Spirit and were believers and were seeing the Holy Spirit use their life, but they hadn't fully experienced the power of God in their life. Verse 6 he writes, uh, Luke writes the book of Acts, and he says, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Now, I know that's where we get to some of the controversy within Christian history, particularly the last couple hundred years. We're going to be addressing that next week. Again, I hope you're ready for it. It's going to be exciting. You're going to want to bring a friend next weekend because I don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to pray that God gives us some clarity on this particular issue. But what we do know is the believers in Ephesus until that moment had not fully experienced the Holy Spirit in their life. Now, I'll share this next week. I'll give you a little, a little uh, hidden nugget that I didn't share with the others. Um, I don't believe that every believer has to experience what just happened there, that every believer has to prophesy or every believer has to speak in tongues. However, I find it unique that they were already believers and they hadn't really heard or experienced the Holy Spirit yet. And so for some of us as Christians, we might have to begin to open ourselves up to how God could use our lives more. The big question I want to ask you then, if we should desire spiritual gifts, if God gives them to us to be strong in a dark world, to live out and be empowered, to change this world, to look like it should according to his good works, what are your spiritual gifts and how are you using them? How are you using your spiritual gifts today? If you're here 
maybe you're going to take five minutes and go out in the lobby when we're all done you're going to get on our Facebook page. We already posted a link to just one of many spiritual gifts tests that you could take. You're going to take that while you're drinking a cup of coffee, and you're going to go, God, how have you uniquely spiritually gifted me, and how could I use that to further your purposes? Maybe you're watching online, and you need to click on that link at the end of this message and do that very thing. Will you pray with me? God, uh, we just pause and I got to imagine in a room like this, we have people from all different spiritual backgrounds, different theological circles, different places in our faith, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different life experiences that we bring into a discussion like this. And we first got to acknowledge the presence of your Holy Spirit that we're studying is actually in the room with us right now. And God, we just pray that you would speak to us as individuals and then apply these scriptures to our church that we truly would be used to be a light in this dark world. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen, amen. Have you ever had a moment where God really used you and you didn't see it coming? You ever experienced something like that? I've had it happen a number of times in my life and I shared the first week about how God called us to plant the church and we were living in Southern California and had this moment of prayer and the Holy Spirit spoke to us and didn't make sense to me at the time. And yet God saw, we saw everything happen, including those three friends of mine from high school that he said, we're going to help us start the church. Crazy, weird. And yet God works that way sometimes. But I remember one of the first moments I really experienced something like this. I, I grew up in a small Methodist church. I rebelled against God in my young adult phase. I had a very real encounter with Jesus that just totally changed my life. I got involved in campus ministry in college, went to Southern California to go to seminary and worked at a megachurch there for seven years. And I can remember I was in my 20s and leading this ministry that was growing of young adults in Southern California. It's not a super churched area. And we had seen hundreds of people begin to worship the Lord and a number of young adults coming to faith. We baptized 93 people in one night, one moment. And I remember this one particular young man, he was just turned a sophomore in college. And he was a starting point guard on one of the local universities. And he came to one of our worship services and gave his life to Christ. And I talked to him afterwards and said, let's talk tomorrow in my office, and I want to hear your story. So he came to my office, and he said, man, you know, my, my girlfriend, she plays on the other basketball team, and she, you know, she broke up with me, and she was just devastating. He's like, I just need to, I, I need to make some changes in my life. I have not been following the Lord, and I just want to, I, for the first time, I'm going to surrender everything. I don't care what it takes. It's like, awesome, man. Like, this was a guy that had a lot to lose. He was a pretty cool dude, and starting point guard, and very good socially, and he's like, I don't care. I said, well, tell me about your life right now. What, what obstacles are you facing? He's like, well, you know, I'm really looking forward to this year. Well, why are you looking forward? Well, I'm rooming with my older brother. He's a senior. He was a sophomore, but his brother was a senior, and we're really excited for living together, and we think our place is going to be the place to hang out. Like, well, why is it going to be the place to hang out? Well, we just installed a kegerator into our dorm room, and we're, it's going to be a fun year. And I looked at him, and in my mind, I'll be real honest, real honest, this is an underage kid, and I was like, dude, you shouldn't be doing this. But in my mind, I was like, that does sound like a pretty fun year. I won't lie, you're going <laughs> to probably have a fun time. And I'm telling you, this thing happened where normally, obviously as a pastor, 
I would take maybe some time, get to know him over the next few months, begin to speak into his life, earn the right to share with him and, and communicate, dude, if you're going to follow Jesus, it's really going to be hard if you've got this issue in your life. But before I could make excuses in my brain, I just blurted out of my mouth, dude, you're never going to follow Jesus with a kegerator in your dorm room. And, and I really think, like, it was the first time I had experienced that the Holy Spirit in that moment, I don't consider myself uh, having the ministry of prophecy. We'll look next week at Ephesians 4, the five ministries of the church. I, I don't feel like that is the way God uses me most often. But in that moment, I believe he had a word to share, a message to share with this particular individual. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him, and he looked at me, and he just said, you're right. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to do everything I just told you if that's in there because, first of all, he was underage. And second of all, he's like, I I'm going to abuse this. So he went back and he's got his older brother in the dorm room with him. He took the kegerator and removed it from the room. And you got to imagine the brother wasn't going to like that, right? Sometimes hearing from the Lord and changing, it costs us something. But he didn't care because he knew he genuinely wanted to start following the Lord. And that all happened in about 30 seconds. I could have taken an entire year to earn the right and eventually spoke this into his life. And sometimes I do that because that's what the Spirit's leading is. But in that moment, the Holy Spirit did in 30 seconds what it would have taken me years to do. That's why understanding our spiritual gifts matters. It matters. Because it's the gasoline in your engine to really get you through this life, to truly make an impact that goes beyond just yourself. So let's define what a spiritual gift is then. A spiritual gift is a supernatural, supernatural ability to do God's work here on earth. It's really key. A supernatural ability to do God's work here on earth. We can use that as a working definition. And I told you we'd get to 1 Corinthians 12, and here's what it says. We're going to kind of come back and forth to this passage. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Brothers and sisters in the room right now, he says, I don't want you to be uninformed about spiritual gifts. I saw a statistic this week that 87% of Christians are uninformed or don't know what their spiritual gifts are. And Paul is writing, I know you're like, well, that's great for those great Christians 2,000 years ago. You don't understand what I'm facing in my life. Do you understand what the church in Corinth was like? Corinth was a port city. Sailors came in for the weekend on their way through the Mediterranean and then took off in the next morning, if we're all tracking. Literally, what happened in Corinth stayed in Corinth. It was the place where they worshipped a different goddess, the goddess Aphrodite, and the way you worshipped her was through fornication with the temple prostitutes. Read chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians. There is so much sexual sin occurring in the church in Corinth, it's unbelievable. And yet after trying to bring order to the church in Corinth, by chapter 12, he says, now that you're going to begin to have some order, you need to be gifted with the Holy Spirit's spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, and you should not be uninformed about what, how you are gifted. He goes on in verse 4, if you look down, there are different kinds of gifts. Every person in here, just like all of my children are unique and every person is unique, every person has a unique mix of spiritual gifts. There are a lot of spiritual gifts. Five ministries of the church, but a lot of spiritual gifts. 
And each of us has a unique gift mix. It's the body of Christ truly comes together when we have all of those gifts used together. So knowing our gifts matters. There's not just gifts though, it's all from the same spirit. Verse five, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Verse six, there are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Finally, verse seven, here is why he has gifted you spiritually. It's not so that you can go, wow, that was awesome. I experienced the work of the Lord. It's also not for you to go, I am really amazing. Did you see what I did there? And unfortunately, I will be critiquing both sides of the theological camps on this. Too often, those who appreciate certain spiritual gifts use and abuse those gifts for financial gain, for prosperity, for trying to uh, spiritually abuse people under them. And they use their true spiritual gifts sometimes, and not only abusive, but immature ways. And we're going to address that as well. What we are given those gifts for by the Spirit is for the common good, what it said there in verse 7. The common good. I love the New Living Translation. It says that we're given those gifts to help each other. It's not, the, the goal isn't to experience the gift. That's not the end. The, the, it's the means to the end. The spiritual gifts are given to us so we can go tell people about Jesus, help those people in need, edify people in the church, and make an impact that goes beyond ourselves. That's why we're given those gifts. And so when they're used in other ways, they're immaturely used. I think it's really important. It's for the common good. Uh, have you ever had a, a gift? Do we have any uh, dads in the room right now? Any dads out there or grandparents in the room? Uh, or some of you that got, you know, nieces and nephews or little brothers. So I, I don't know what it is. Dads sometimes can give just the weirdest gifts. I don't know why. We just are really good at that. We're spiritually blessed in that way. My dad, he has this one gift he gives to every kid and every grandkid multiple times a year. Boots. Don't know why it's boots. He just likes to give boots. He's really concerned about keeping people's feet warm and that they have proper work attire. And I always take the boots and they'll ask me, you got, you got you any boots right now? Oh, well, dad, I kind of gave those other boots away. I, one time I gave them to a homeless person. Another time I just lost them. Uh, I'll often just leave them in my closet and I'll never pull them out. And I remember distinctly one time I needed to do some work in the yard for the first time in like a decade. And I, I needed some good work boots because I don't normally do real work. And I could not find my boots anywhere. And I was like, man, I really wish I had valued my dad's gift. And I find, man, some of us here today are watching online. Your heavenly father has uniquely spiritually gifted you and you are uninformed about it or you're aware of it and you just let it live it dormant in your spiritual closet, afraid to actually use it. See, spiritual gifts, if we're going to know what they are, we also have to know what they're not. They're not natural talents right? Like if you're good at basketball, that wasn't a spiritual gift the Lord gave you. Although Aaron Holiday is going to be an amazing point guard. Amen, Pacers fans out there. Come on now. Do we have Pacers fans? <laughs> the first service I said, Pacers, not a word. No one budged. I think there was some booze. So I'm not really sure what's going on. We're going to pray for the salvation of the 9 a.m. service, but being good at accounting, not a spiritual gift. God can use that talent, but not a spiritual gift. Uh, spiritual gifts are not given just to the elite few, not just to the special Christians. They're given to all believers, and we believe in the priesthood of all believers. 
Number three, that they're not signs of spiritual maturity. There are plenty of people given spiritual gifts that use them very immaturely, as I described earlier. They're not signs that this person is a spiritually mature person. They're just gifts given uniquely. They're also not fruits of the Spirit. Uh, from the letter to the Galatian church, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, those Fruits of the Spirit, by the way, there's only one tree and one fruit. You either have all of it or none of it because the Holy Spirit is given to you. It's not like, man, I'm going to work on patience this year. No, you either have the Holy Spirit working through you or you don't. And so that's how you have those. But those are not gifts. Everyone has the fruit of the Spirit and it's all the same. But there are unique gifts given to each individual person. Finally, spiritual gifts are not something to fear. They're not something to fear. So they're not, you're not to be afraid of it. You have to know what your spiritual gifts actually are, right? So let's look at what scripture says. What are some of the spiritual gifts according to the Bible, right? Like if it's not in the Bible, it doesn't matter. But according to the Bible that we are given, Paul writes to the church in Rome in chapter 12, verses 6 to 8, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. By the way, you'll see this in Ephesians 4 next week. The word grace there is in Greek, the word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. Have you ever heard somebody named charis before? It means grace. And it is where we get the word charismata, where we get charismatic from. And so the idea is that you have been graced, you have been given a spiritual gift that is a whole, given from the Holy Spirit, not just a talent or ability. It's given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. To hear from the Lord, now you got to not use it immaturely. A lot of people can use that in abusive ways, but when we hear from the Lord, also discern, like, okay, God, how can I use this in a way that it will actually benefit the local church and the world around to make it look more like you would desire it to be? Uh, Verse 7, if it is serving, then serve. We don't often think of serving as a spiritual gift. There's a lot of spiritual gifts. And if you're like, I'm not a natural like orator or uh, you know, prophesier or some of the things you're describing, then I must not be gifted. No, there, there are a lot of different types. Some of you, you see someone in need and you just want to go serve them. It's just natural. I, I, was, I told you two weeks ago, I was here on Easter weekend. I dropped my coffee mug, exploded everywhere on the concrete. And this guy just ran down, grabbed a broom. He started cleaning everything up. And I was like, dude, thank you. And he, he wasn't doing that to get any praise. He was just living out. I believe that the Holy Spirit was actually in his life and he was living out of the spiritual gift of serving. Maybe that's you or maybe it's teaching. If teaching, then teach. By the way, teaching does not mean communication or preaching. There's a little bit of a difference. I've met plenty of great communicators who can inspire people, but you walk away from their teaching and have no idea what the Bible said on that particular issue. Some God gifts in the area of communication or prophetically inspiring people and others, it's teaching and you can make sense of things in concise, simple ways so people can understand them. It can happen on a stage like this or it can happen in our rooted group as a facilitator. It can happen in our outposts. It can happen in a discipleship huddle. There's a lot of different ways to utilize the spiritual gift of teaching. Maybe it's to encourage, then give encouragement. Anybody remember uh, Pastor Glenn that was here in April? Uh, Glenn is the lead pastor of the church I came from in uh, California. They have a campus in Idaho and uh, Montana. And uh, he, you know, the church is about 6,000 people. And most megachurch pastors are kind of commanding leader types. And Glenn is not at all. He's the most encouraging people, uh, person I've ever met. 
Like he is just has a spiritual gift of encouragement. Barnabas in the New Testament had the spiritual gift of encouragement. Maybe that's you. Glenn, literally, man, when you meet him, if anybody met him while he was here, he literally, yeah, Matt, you met him. He will shake your hand, and he's about six foot one, six foot two, and he will stoop down like this and shake people's hands. It's almost like just he's such a humble guy, he physically prostrates himself in front of other people. I'm not like that. I'm not a natural encourager. I'm like, bro, straighten that back up, man. Come on. You know, but God has wired him in that way. That's an amazing thing. And we should utilize those gifts. Well, Pastor Luke on our team is a natural encourager. If it's giving, then give generously. My, my wife, I love her to death. And, and most of the staff would tell you I'm too frugal sometimes. I'm just naturally like that. But my wife, I'm not the frugal one at home. She is the cheapest person you have ever met. I'm not lying. She will reuse, re-eat anything. Anything. And... She does that though, but she does it because she doesn't want to waste and she loves to give generously. In our entire marriage, we have never had one argument ever over giving something away. Because she just wants to do it anytime. The answer is always yes. She loves to give generously. That's a spiritual gift. Maybe you're wired that way. By the way, we're all called to do all these things, right? We're all called to hear from the Lord and to speak into people's lives. We're all called to, to actually go and share our faith if you get the gift of evangelism or to encourage people or you're all called to be generous or called to go out and be able to teach somewhat and disciple people, but it doesn't mean you're spiritually gifted in that way. If it is to lead, do it diligently. Maybe you walk into a place where it doesn't have to be you're the most commanding leader in the room, but you just naturally, when it comes to spiritual things, people look to you to lead. Maybe you have the spiritual gift of leadership, and you need to utilize that diligently for the Lord. If to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Man, with all of the things happening in our culture and society today and the, the hurt and the angst and the stuff you see on social media, what if God has given you compassion and mercy and hurting for people who are outcast and forgotten to address racism and sexism in our culture, to address the hurts and pains of people? And rather than just posting things to social media, what if God has given you that because the Holy Spirit wants to use you to change those things? See, that's really what our outposts are designed to do. Maybe you've been given the spiritual gift of mercy and you need to lead your outposts in caring and compassion for people in our society and culture around us. That's a gift that God's given you and you should utilize it. Maybe that's you. For the sake of time, there's a lot more spiritual gifts. Again, go to the Facebook page and you can take more of the spiritual gifts test. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 mentions a lot more like uh, speaking in tongues and interpretation and healing and other things. And we're going to address a lot of that next week, so don't miss it. But how do you actually discover what your unique spiritual gifts are? How do you discover what your unique spiritual gifts are? Maybe number one, you could start by studying the Bible passages that we've been looking at. 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians chapter 4 next week, 1 Peter 4 here in a moment, uh, Romans chapter 12, and you're going to say, what are my gifts that I see? And then after you study it, you're going to ask God, because we believe he still speaks to us, show me what my gifts are. And then number three, examine what you do well and enjoy. I took this from a pastor named Craig Rochelle at Life Church in Oklahoma, and I thought this was really good, that you could examine what you do well and actually enjoy it. If, if you see somebody drop a coffee mug and explode, if your first thing to do is just to go and serve, maybe God spiritually gifted you in service. Maybe if it's to say, hey, next time you should do this differently, 
Maybe God has gifted you prophetically. Maybe it's to begin to get a team together to address the coffee that has spilled. Maybe he's given you the gift of leadership. Maybe it's to tell other people about how we should have compassion and to say, oh, I'm so sorry you dropped your coffee mug. Maybe God has gifted you with the spiritual gift of mercy, right? Like we all have different ways that we're gifted. Examine what you do well and actually enjoy. Then take a spiritual gift test and then do what the Holy Spirit leads you to do, leads you to do and actually follow in that way. As we close out our time together, I told you I have three children, Jake, Jenna, and Jet. Uh, they're nine, soon to be six, and three. And every single one of them has a completely different personality. And if I was to take the time at Christmas time to prepare a gift for them, take the time to think, okay, Jake and his personality, what's really going to help him become the man God wants him to be? What's gonna, what gift is really going to make an impact in this dark world? To my daughter, Jenna, how could, how could she live? What could I give her that would really benefit and help her? And, and to my son, Jet, and, and I gave them each of these gifts and they opened them up at Christmas time and they took the gift and they placed it in their closet and they never used the most valuable thing I ever gave them. I don't know how our heavenly father feels, but for me as a dad, it hurt my feelings a little bit. And I'd also go, man, you're not that smart. Because I gave you this thing, the number one most helpful thing in your life, and you just ignore it. And yet, no guilt and shame this morning. We're not doing this to make people feel wrong. But we, most of us, 87% of Christians are just completely uninformed what our spiritual gifts even are. That our heavenly father uniquely gave this is laying dormant and we don't utilize it. Some of us, we are uninformed because we don't have the Holy Spirit in our life. Some of us, it's because we've not been taught this. And some of us, we've not actually examined our life, asked the Lord, taken spiritual gifts, test, studied scripture. Maybe that's each of us or you in particular here this morning that you are given those gifts to make an impact. It's the most valuable thing your dad in heaven gave you. First Corinthians, or excuse me, first Peter chapter four, verse 10 says, each of you, not some of you, not the good Christians, not the, the Christians on the stage this weekend, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to what? Serve others. Not to glorify ourselves or make ourselves great or make a bunch of money, but to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace, his charismata in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God, your heavenly Father has given you to steward those spiritual gifts well. Are you aware of them? How are you using them? Let me tell you why this is important. Just a couple of things as we close out. My, uh, a great family here in the church, the Mods. Any of you guys know Dan and Alicia Mod? Uh, Craig, their son, was here at the last service. And I asked them, and they said I could share this, that their, their uh, other son, Nathan, was in St. Louis in the most, the worst car accident I've ever seen a picture of was hit by a semi-truck doing 70 miles an hour into the side that their son was sitting in in the passenger seat. And he, he saw the truck coming and he said, in a moment of prayer, he said, God save me. And when he woke up about 30 minutes later, he was sitting in the back seat of the car. You gotta see this car, guys. And look, I don't know, it could be if it's just a physics thing and the, the semi-truck hit it, but the thing is, it hit it from the back and he was sitting in the front and somehow he ended up in the back passenger seat and it saved his life. 
So I don't know if it was the supernatural work of God or God did some crazy things with physics there, but he in that moment said, I can see that God is real in my life and he saved it. And see, the reality is God still moves and he works and he wants to change things in our society and culture, but we don't ask him and we don't use the things he's given us, empowered us to make a difference, to make an impact. You see, I believe this isn't just important for the American church and you as a Christian, but it's important for Mercy Road Church. When we started this church, it was because of a prayer that we believe the Holy Spirit was speaking us to start a church. And every step of the way over the last six and a half years, all of the great things that occurred, I said this the first week, was when the Spirit of God just show up, showed up. Sometimes our great planning didn't make the, the biggest difference in the world, but it took people faithfully loving and searching out the things of God and being used by him, willing to sacrifice for him, to say, I don't believe that the church is about attending and sitting in a chair on the weekends. And that's kind of, we do the American church thing. It's about a community actually living on mission together, utilizing their spiritual gifts. When we come together and see the full body of Christ at work, as we'll study next week, the the world can't deny, just like Nathan can't, that God is real, living and active because they can see it. And, and, and when we were at the old building, this little place we leased off of College Avenue that was smaller than many of your homes this weekend, we saw God reach almost 500 people on a weekend. And we moved to this facility. The last nine months, we've been about 1,000 people on the weekend. And God has been using this church. We're getting ready. We announced uh, uh, in January to start a campus in the Fisher's Geist area. And this fall, most likely in August, we're going to commit one of the weekend services to the, the Fisher's Geist campus. As, and it'll be meet here at this facility. And then eventually we're going to launch it out over there once we're, we're ready in every capacity. And we've got this vision for how we could reach more people and start more campuses. And then those will spin off, not into campuses long term, but within five years will become separate church plants. It'll have the name Mercy Road and our same DNA and all that stuff. And it'll just be one more way we're doing church planting because we believe in multiplication. And we're sending out, we've now partnered with eight church planters just in the last two years, and it's way beyond Mercy Road Church now, Multiply Indiana is our own nonprofit truly changing the state of Indiana. There's as many people worshiping together this weekend not here as are here. We have to believe that the Spirit of God can use people today. And here's what I wanna share. As we get ready to finish the hiring of Pastor Nick's position that we're looking to replace and the new outpost pastor position, and we kind of get the staff ready for this coming August and the great kickoff to the school year. And we get all our volunteer leaders and, and informed and we get this next structure to grow in this next phase of the church to reach even more people for Christ. All of that will be a whole bunch of humans doing a whole lot of work if the Holy Spirit of God is not in our lives and we're utilizing our spiritual gifts that he has given us. Because it's only then that people see God at work and they go, man, that's different. I want more of that. We got plenty of Christians working hard for the Lord, but not enough Christians utilizing their spiritual gifts to make an impact. How are you using yours? Will you pray with me, Lord? Man, I thank you that we can have honest conversations like this. And I know right now in the room, there are some people who, if we're just really honest, not no condemnation at all, but we're just really honest, just aren't even aware yet what their spiritual gifts even are. If that's you in the room, I'm gonna ask you to do something. Our eyes are closed. I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand for a moment. I wanna pray something specific for those who are unaware of their spiritual gifts right now. I see some of you guys. Thank you. If you're at home, more hands coming up around here. If you're at home, raise it high right there in your home, man. 
And then you can put your hands down now. For some of you then, maybe you're here today or watching online and you are somewhat aware of your spiritual gifts, but you're not using them in the local church. If that's you, will you just, I'm not gonna make you do anything. Raise your hand just a moment. If that's you, you're somewhat aware, but you're not using your gifts right now. I see more hands coming up here at home. Raise it nice and high. Thank you all. I see all those hands. We'll go ahead and put those down. God, you have seen, I just wanted to make that a physical, tangible thing that we admit that we either are uninformed or we're not using our gifts currently. And now, God, we pray that we would. We pray that we go spend some time in the lobby taking a gifts test, begin to get involved in the weekend, using our gifts, maybe start an outpost or get involved in an outpost, begin to use our gifts in a way that makes an impact. God, and then there are some in the room or watching online who they're not aware of their spiritual gifts because the truth is they haven't received the ultimate gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, his gift is eternal life. And it's the ultimate gift. It's better than anything else, any other gift in this world. And if you wanna receive that ultimate gift of salvation eternally, I wanna invite you to pray this silently as I pray out loud. God, I confess I need you. Forgive me for my wrongdoing. I thank you for your sacrifice, Jesus, and I repent of the sin and the wrongdoing in my life. Use me, God. Anoint me with your Holy Spirit to make an impact in my sphere of influence. We love you. We dedicate each person to you, and we give you this time, Lord Jesus. And everybody said, amen.